Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Edison, author of Pioneering Movements, and you're listening to the Engaging Missions Show. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Brian Ensminger, and today we have with us Scott Castile. Scott's been in ministry for about 20 years. He started out as a youth minister and then was later ordained and challenged to start a new work in Port St. Lucie, Florida, about five years ago. He had a heart to reach the area, much like a missionary, and he started with a church of about 20 people, trusting God with a vision for the city and beyond, and then promptly began whittling that down to a smaller congregation as they began to steer more toward a multiplication and a church planting model. They're now meeting in a house. They've launched a second congregation in a barber shop, and they're about to launch a third. So, Scott, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for uh, having me. I appreciate it. So, I've given a little bit of an introduction, but I really haven't talked anything about your family or, you know, who you are as a person. And during this first part of the interview, we want to get to know you. So, can you share with us a little bit about yourself, your your family, kind of what you have going on? Yeah, um... Basically, um, I'm a proud papa of two daughters. Oh wow! And uh, yes, and it, it's it's been a it just a M who's just a big huge part of of the ministry in my life, and uh, also have three grandchildren, and that's been uh, just a treat. Uh, it's true what they say about being a grandfather. You know, it's it's all the fun without any of the responsibility. I highly recommend it. <laughs> so while you were talking about your family, the audio cut out just a little bit. I think you were telling us about uh, you have a, a wife and how many children? Uh, two daughters. Okay. And as I understand it, your wife is actually pretty integral to what's going on with your ministry. Can you share a little bit about how she kind of fits into all of this? Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, basically, we uh, just attack this as a team. Uh, we do everything together, and I think there's great safety in that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, over the years, we've seen uh, many things that can go wrong when, when you have pastors out there on their own. But I think one of the safest things you can do and, and the best thing you can do is have your wife right there by your side every step of the way. And, and Kim, of course, is is my is my rock and uh there's been many times where I felt like quitting and she kept me going. So um, I'm very thankful for her. Is it easy sometimes to feel like you're kind of out there on your own, so, you know, from time to time? Oh, uh, you know, I can't even tell you. 
uh, I just felt like for many, many years that I was absolutely out there on my own because I knew that God was doing something in my heart. And, and to be honest with you, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, you know, I had been commissioned and ordained to start a, a fresh work here in Port St. Lucie. But knowing that in my heart, uh, that something wasn't sitting right with the traditional church paradigm and uh, not really having the answers, but beginning to probe and search and pray and read the Bible. And uh, man, there was many times where I just felt like when I would share some concerns that I had or some, you know, some ideas that I have, I, I would like talk to a lot of pastor friends of mine. And I mean, they would look at me like I had a third eyeball. <laughs> You know, uh, so yeah, I I, I think that uh, that accurately depicts my situation there for a long time. So during that time, is that when you came in contact with uh, with Troy Cooper and some of the people who are connected with him? Oh yeah, that that's actually a great story um, because that's one of the things I had a heart for. I I always knew that I wanted to see my community as a mission field. I didn't want to see it as a possible congregation or you know, it's a mission field. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, not knowing really what that meant or to approach that. And one day I was having breakfast with a couple of uh, pastor friends of mine and they said, and Troy's name came up and he said, oh yeah, he's a, he's a missionary to Martin County. Hmm. And I'm like, a missionary to Martin County? <laughs> What's that look like? I, and he's like, oh, you got to talk to him. And so they put me in contact with Troy and and we had uh, uh, breakfast and um, just really hit it off. And he drew out, you know, four fields and gave me some of the the basic understandings of, of some of the methodologies of a church planting movement on a napkin. Mm -hmm. And uh, And I just remember looking at the napkin and going, wow, you know, that's it. That's it. And uh, I would, you know, like I said, I was pretty much in the traditional church paradigm at the time. And, um, you know, just realizing that I needed to begin to make some changes immediately. And and when you did that, I'm assuming that's kind of when things began to shift with the, the size and the makeup of your current congregation? <laughs> Yeah, um, it was right. It, it was very, very interesting because day one, when we started the church, um, we had about 60 or 70 people that immediately started with us from a, another church that was in the area that had folded. Uh, and uh, so I always say I'm kind of like one of the church growth guys in reverse. You know, <laughs> if you want to if you want to whittle down a traditional church uh, really fast, just give me a call and I'll give you some some, you know, good ways to do that. And I tell you what, I've done that with a couple Sunday school classes, too. <laughs> it doesn't feel that good sometimes when you're going through it, does it? <laughs> no. No, but it was necessary for my personal growth. So as, as you think about your life and your ministry, do you have any key scriptures or motivational quotes, something that kind of keeps you going and keeps you pointed in the right direction as you're ministering? Yeah, um, I would probably say Romans 12. Um, you know, the idea that... Um, you know, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of Christ, to do, you know, basically to heavily paraphrase this, yeah. uh, to do everything as an act of worship. And I, I think that for so many years, I, I was trying to be obedient and I was trying to, I'm kind of a grab the bull by the horns kind of guy. So I was doing, I was really striving. And uh, it took a few years of really going through some tough things uh, to realize that I just needed 
to have fun and, and to do everything that I'm doing as worship as unto the Lord and just really trust Him with all of the uh, the spiritual growth and, and you know, as, as we say in our planning meetings with Troy, you know, we, we have the controllables and, mm. and we'll be diligent and obedient in the controllables, but we'll leave the uncontrollables to God and that really just takes a lot of pressure off. So as I think about my life, I'm just going to put myself out there kind of like a lab rat. I know that I should be joyful in all things, but sometimes it's really hard to do that. Have you found any secrets to being able to to be joyful in obedience and, and in all things? Well, I tell you what, I had a um, a really a good uh, mentor in my life. His name's Pete Vitale. Uh, when I, early on, when I was really struggling and the church was dwindling, and you know, I was trying these different things, he, and I, I really was taking much of it personally. And he said this, he said, Scott, you need to be real careful taking responsibility for the things that you think are failures. Uh, you need to be real careful doing that because you'll also take credit. Mm. Oh, he says, so you don't take credit when things aren't quote unquote going well, and you don't take credit when things are going well and, and you leave the glory to God. And I think that really, really helped me uh, to kind of step, take a step back, take my hands off of the situation and say, you know what, this is going to get done either, uh, it'll either get done or not based on God's will and what he wants to do, not based on how hard I try. Um, as, as I was, you know, the, some of the information that I sent out as far as kind of preparing, one of the things I ask people often to do is share something about a challenge or a failure. But you've already shared how you kind of <laughs> preached yourself down to a congregation of a few. <laughs> as you think over your, your ministry, are there any significant challenges you you faced that you'd like to share that maybe somebody else could learn from? Yeah, uh, I would. Well, gosh, there's so many. <laughs> I know the feeling. Um, I, I mean, as a, I mean, are, are you thinking about like as a young pastor or as a church planter or, or kind of from what perspective are you looking for? Uh, maybe even on a personal level, one of the things that I find is that we tend to connect better with people and learn better when we hear stories. And so I'm just looking for those stories. But, you know, I see. Yeah, I see. Yeah, because I mean, there's so many rushed into my mind at once. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, which one? Um, let me see. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. The, the the one that really rushed into my mind first was the thing to watch out for would be um, just things that aren't biblical um, that try to make their way into the church. Um, that caused a lot of division and a lot of problems. And I think the more we simplify things and the more we just get back to the basics of obedience to what we see in Scripture, uh, that's just really safe ground. Okay. You know? Can, can you share think, a little more? Yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I think one of the things uh, that I made a mistake on uh, was I, I, would, I would read something, and, and I would get really excited about it, and I would immediately begin sharing that vision and, and talking about it, really before having really prayed it through and thinking it through. Um, for example, uh, I'm, I'm really big into uh, discipling children. I really, really believe in the father as the head of the household and, and really taking a, a hands-on approach to the training and the bringing up of, of children. And, 
you know, as as I began to really try to get the kids more and more involved in in the service, um, I, I think I really moved too quickly. Like I began to bring the children in uh, to the to the uh, church service really without the proper training. If, if children are untrained, then you need to step in and, and help the parents, mm-hmm. um, you know, before you bring them in, not bring them in. And then it's like shining a big floodlight on the fact that, Hey, your kids are really out of control. And oh. of course that causes embarrassment. And, um, you know, that was another thing, another mistake that I made that really whittled the church down pretty good is, of course, you know, the, 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 the parents were embarrassed and and then and a lot of them left. And and I think that if I had that to do over, I would definitely, um, you know, reach out to them in the children's ministry and begin to do like shepherding a child's heart and teaching them biblical discipline away from church, because that's really where all that takes place. That does not have that kind of discipleship not happen on Sunday morning. Yeah. So as a father of two young kids, I can totally hear, you know, we, we definitely make some decisions based on the fact that we're taking our kids with us or not taking our kids with us. So that's, and, and it's hard, you know, it's, it's like having a, a loaded gun that you never know, quite know when it's going to go off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I also wanted to connect with you on is, you know, you've shared a little bit about some of the challenges and some of the transformations you went with went through, and you shared about your meeting with Troy. Can you share with us maybe a time in your life when God really revealed something to you? Share with us kind of what was going on and then also what God did reveal and how you've moved forward with that. Yeah. Well, I have always um, just had a huge, huge heart for uh, life-on-life discipleship, big time. Um, And I've always uh, been a big advocate of that and very vocal about it wherever I go. But I think that the aha moment, like with Troy, was the idea of it being um, basically, I think the word is, um, we use a word, it's, you know, where you can duplicate it. Mm -hmm. Are you, is it, you know, are you able to multiply that? Okay. you know, and, and, and I think that was the aha moment, like with Troy, when I saw like the four fields and, and how it worked is like, yeah, you know, life and life discipleship should be uh, something that, that replicates itself in the disciple so that they can turn around and do the same so that there's a, like a multi-generational outflow of, of that, of the movement or training. And I think that was an aha moment for me because it was like, oh, okay, it's not just about life on life training. It's not just about mentorship. It's doing it in such a way that empowers them to turn around and do the same. Okay. And I think that was really just a, a huge aha moment for me, which it seems like a no-brainer. It seems like simplicity. You read the scriptures, and that's all they did. Mm. Uh, but I don't know. I guess that was one of the aha moments for me. Yeah, that can be kind of hard to process sometimes, at, at least, you know, even for, for me. You know, I talk to church planters and missionaries, people all over the world, a variety of different models, and still sometimes, you know, things seem foreign, even if I've heard them a number of times. So, yeah, totally get that. <laughs> Um, With that, we are going to go ahead and take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to shift our focus just a little bit away from you and more toward the ministry, okay? Great. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Engaging Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Hi, it's Scott McClelland with your Leadership Moment. 
I want to talk to you now about combining two different ideas about leadership and examining them together. Recently, it's been noted with some emphasis that leadership is about people and management is about things. Things are managed and people are led. These are two distinct disciplines. Uh, it's a fairly recent discovery of this, and people have been examining it quite a bit. They are not mutually exclusive things. Uh, you can be a great manager and a great leader, uh, but often these strengths are not found in the same person uh, in equal endowments, if you will. The second thing is this. Leadership is meant to make strength productive. This is a kind of a takeoff of a Peter Drucker quote. He said management is made, is meant to make strength productive, and I, I kind of modified that. But looking at these things together, what can we learn from leadership? In the last 10 to 15 years, this uh, diversity of management from leadership has been, uh, a lot of thinkers have done some deep dives on that, and that's not my purpose here. I just want to get you to thinking. Uh, if this is true, then leadership is about what? It's about making the inherent strength, you might call it God's grace in design, at the individual level, productive and effective. The strength that's in you that was given to you by God, how do we make that effective, strong, powerful, consequential? That's the question of leadership. Management, then, would be about making resources productive. Money, time, things, stuff like that. What can we understand about this that will help us be better and more effective leaders? Here's a few thoughts for you. Leadership as a field of labor or as a field of emphasis is all about people. Overlook this to the risk of your own relevance. From that, we can realize that personal relationship is the cornerstone of true influence. There's a lot to say about that, and we are out of time, but uh, I want to encourage you. Leadership and management, focusing on the leadership side, how do we become better leaders? Focus at the personal relationship level to look for legitimate influence. Scott McClelland here. Thanks for joining us. Contact me or us at fxmissions.com. Have a good one. This has been the Engaging Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. If you have a leadership question, please send it to feedback at engagingmissions.com and visit fxmissions.com to connect with Scott and discover how you could be involved in short-term missions. All right, we are back. We have Scott Castile with us. We just finished learning a little bit about him and what God's been doing in his life and some of the things God's shown him. Now we're shifting our focus more toward the ministry. So, Scott, I know that you've uh, preached a congregation down from 60 or 70 to a few, and now God's moving differently. Can you share with us what, what is church service, what does discipleship look like for, for you and for your body? Yeah. Well, like you said, it, it took it took some time. Um, but what we began to do is is uh, move from more of a traditional paradigm of church where, you know, I was the primary teacher and I would stand in front and I would, you know, we, we teach chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And, you know, we uh, take a book of the Bible and 
and, and work through it, which we still hold to, but we do it differently in that we began to move uh, more to a three-thirds format, which, you know, any T for Tiers out there or four fields people will understand what I'm saying. But in case, that, you know, there's listeners that are not familiar with that, basically um, a three-thirds format for a meeting would be you take the first third and you look back. So there's an accountability piece where, you know, we're asking um, and, and doing kind of the pastoral care piece of it um, to each other. You know, how'd your week go? Uh, what was the uh, the best thing that happened? What was the worst thing that happened? You know, were you able to share the gospel? Were you able to be obedient to what we learned the prior week. Um, and that's our look back portion. We usually do that during a fellowship meal, which everybody brings yummy food. We all eat together and, uh-huh. and do that. And and I just highly recommend that. Very biblical. And uh, you get to eat some great, great food. Yeah. So that that's kind of the look back portion. And then uh, the second third would be our look up portion where uh, we have uh, worship, where we sing and uh, we pray and uh, uh, and then we uh, get into a Bible study. And this is where it changed for us. And this took a while uh, for us to get to this point. Uh, but ultimately, we, we changed to more of a, what we call a discovery Bible study, as okay. opposed to me just exegeting the scripture and kind of, uh, as we say, it's kind of like a mama bird chewing up the food and spitting it in the baby bird's mouth. Mm-hmm. Now, now we take the approach of, hey, we're going to discover this together. So we use uh, a methodology we call the SWORD method, okay. uh, where we, we read a portion of Scripture and then we ask some key questions. We'll just ask, hey, what does this teach us about God? Mm-hmm. And we'll open it up to the room. And so we discover that together. And we'll say, okay, what does this portion teach us about man? Or is there a sin to avoid or uh, an example to follow or a promise to proclaim? And we go through those systematically through those questions, and that allows everyone to basically get into the passage. And uh, we encourage, of course, that you read it ahead of time and come prepared. And it really is just a a tremendously vibrant uh, time together in the Word where uh, questions are asked and... and, uh, you know, people uh, have an opportunity to come to the table and, 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 and be a part of it and, and an integral part of it instead of just a spectator. Because at the end of the day, A, what we're trying to do is teach people how to read the Bible mm-hmm. and to mine God's Word for its truths. And then two, um, you know, we, we want also to, to raise up uh, teachers of the Word of God so that we can multiply and, uh, you know, basically uh, raise up teachers and equip teachers. So the the model that you're talking about, especially in terms of how you're dealing with the scriptures and working through those together, that's the kind of thing that I love. But I also have a few friends who, you know, when they connect to something like that, they would say, well, that's going to drive me crazy because who in the group has done the work to understand the historical context and mm-hmm. who has done this? Mm-hmm. What, what, what do you say to people in that kind of situation? Mm-hmm. Well, we do, we do allow room for the facilitator. Um, we have one person who does facilitate and okay. we, we put that burden on the facilitator to do, uh, that portion of the homework. Mm-hmm. So they'll come to the table with kind of the historical relevance and the context and, you know, all those things that help kind of, um, give a broader understanding of the particular portion of scripture that we're studying at that time. So we, it's not a complete free for all. Sure. We do have a facilitator and we make sure that everything stays within the context 
context of the Bible portion that we're reading, and that uh, because you know what we call. Uh, you know, what, what we try to nip in the bud is the idea of the rabbit trail uh-huh. that just shoots off in some weird direction, you know, and, and we train the facilitators <laughs> to very quickly recognize rabbit trails and, and nip those in the bud. Because when someone makes an observation from the portion, we ask them, hey, what verse did you see that in? Mm-hmm. You know, so we're trying to keep it, you know, because a lot of times extra biblical ideas will come in or, you know, because you have young believers that are, right. you know, just getting into the scriptures. So we try to, you know, keep it within the context of what we're reading at the time. Yeah, or even old people that think that God helps those that help themselves, right? Hey, yeah, that's in, <laughs> I think that's in the book of Second Hesitations. Yeah, no kidding. So, you know, what you're talking about sounds to, like, well, a lot of small groups that I've been part of, but you're not just doing a small group, right? This is different. So can you share a little yeah. bit more about the focus and how this is different? Okay. Well, then, again, now kind of moving through the service, and I think sure. what makes it different as well is you get to that last third yeah. where that's what we call our look a forward piece. So you got the look back, you got the look up, and then you got the look forward. And that's where the accountability comes in. And that's where you have to directly apply God's word. Okay. And, you know, because we, we like to call it obedience based Bible study, where we're actually mining God's words for its truth so we can directly apply them to our lives. So we spend a portion. Of, of our time together saying, okay, what does that look like in your life? And how are, who are you going to share that with this week? And how are you going to dr- directly live that out? And we spend time, um, you know, talking to one another and putting a plan together of how we're going to directly apply God's Word. And I think that's what makes it different from just a life group or a Bible study. That brings in a great deal of accountability. And that's what we're shooting for. Mm-hmm. Not that we're perfect at that, um, but we're getting better at it every week. And that's our heart is is to really live God's word and to apply it and be obedient to it, not just study it. So you've been doing this for a few, a few years now. As you think about the things that people have applied in their lives, what are the things that people typically struggle with when they're trying to take the scripture and then make it alive in their life? Um, yeah, that, that you know, I think sometimes when people read the Bible, a lot of times they have trouble kind of pulling out just those simple nuggets that come very quickly come to the surface when you ask those key questions. Like with a new believer, you know, one of the things we do or what I what I'll do is I'll pull them aside and I'll meet with them during the week to get them started so that when they read the Bible they ask those key questions. Uh, you know, what's this teach us about God? What's is, is there an example to follow? Because let's face it, almost Every verse or every portion in the scripture is an example of either what to do or what not to do. Mm-hmm. So, so that's where we help them to see, hey, what's the example to follow or what's the sin to avoid? And that's how to direct. And it's, you know, what's going on in your life and, and how does that apply? So I think stepping them through that process of asking the right question, revealing the correct truth, and then directly applying the, that to their life is kind of the sequence that we're hoping to achieve. So leading a church through this kind of transition from traditional to something more like this isn't easy. It comes with its challenges. We've talked some about those. What is it that fuels your passion or drives you as you're working through the challenges? Well, the thing, the absolute thing that, that, that is my passion and, and fuels me is the fact that I'm going to stand before God. Mm. 
someday as a pastor says, don't become a teacher quickly because you know there's accountability you're going to stand before yeah. god and i'm going and, and that's what really got me like when i was with troy and, and he drew out those four fields on a napkin and i looked at this man it's all like there was a there was a lot of conviction that came down and i was like you know what i'm going to stand before god and i and i and i I don't want to be one of those guys that say, "Hey, I did this in your name and I did that in your name." And he's like, "Man, why didn't you just why didn't you just do the simple things I commanded you, like in Matthew 28 or others?" And I, I just don't want to be that guy. So I think that's my passion. That's the thing that fuels me is that ultimately I'm going to stand before God. So if I'm going to stand before God, I'm really going to try to do exactly what Jesus did. I'm going to try to do what Paul did. And if I follow them as the example, hopefully I'll be able to stand before him. Well, I will, no one will be standing. I'll be on my face yeah. before him and he'll say, hey, come on in, man. Come on in, my good and faithful servant. So that's what, that's, that's what fuels me, I think. If you could do it all over again, is there one thing you would have done differently? Yes, absolutely. I mean, obviously, knowing what I know now, um, kind of the way we got started, and this was a little over five years ago, um, the, the way this went down is there was a, um, a Calvary Chapel that um, I was studying with uh, on the east part of town, and the, the pastor from that Calvary Chapel decided to go back to uh, a, a church up north, and that's when he ordained me, and he... Um, Kind of handed over the keys, if you will, oh. and yeah, and you know, and, and he had been training me. I mean, to his credit, I mean, he had spent three and a half years with me, going through the doctrine, going through everything to you know, so that I could, you know, really know the Word of God and 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 so forth, and and to take that step. But the problem was, is I think I rushed. I rushed into it. I said, okay, well, he's he's going away. He's commissioning me to start a new work. Hmm. And, 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 and instead of really praying and thinking that through and taking time, um, and we actually, and what's ironic about it, even though we had 70 people, we started off in a house. Hmm. And, 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 and just because of traditional thinking, we we're like, oh, we got to get out of here. We got to get a building. It's too, it's too crowded. And that was the mistake. That was the best time we ever had was in hmm. the house. You know, and if I had it to do over, I would definitely not go to a building. Or you know to to you know to a um, uh, when I say a building like a a larger building that we right. were in a house and I, I would have kept it there and I don't I'd have really knowing what I know now I would have just began instructing and training people so that I could multiply that beautiful environment and 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 and, and multiply that out in into every zip code and neighborhood in my city. Wow, that's great. With that, we are going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we're going to shift our focus one last time more toward the the listener. So we'll be right back. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. In school, I had uh, been saved from uh, an occult background, uh, exploring. I was exploring for, you know, the meaningful life and and, why we're here, who's in charge of the things. Um, and I'd been put off the church, so I thought, well, I'll check out the enemy. That's kind of why I thought about it. And uh, went into the occult um, and got nastily snared up in that. But I, through my conversion and the, the, the year that followed that, I experienced some incredible uh, deliverance um, and the reality of seeing God's power at work. And we just saw God touching lives, miracles happening in the school. You know, a lot of people in the school came to Christ. A real move happened. 
Uh, we actually planted, uh, you know, the closest thing you can do to, to calling it a church in the school, uh, which went on for about 15 years, even after I left. Um, so it was, it was a very significant time. But so when I went to work in Eastern Europe and in Communist Europe, we began to see the same thing happening again, God moving in power. Um, and it really was exciting to me. I'd had that sort of dormant period of being at Bible college and kind of learning that these things don't happen today <laughs> and kind of going, but wait a minute, that's how I came to Christ. And then suddenly going into um, a mission where we were just seeing the Lord you know, work um, and blinding eyes as we crossed borders, um, you know, causing things to happen, rescuing us when we got um, um, arrested. Uh, which we did on three. Uh, for me, I had um, three, yeah, three particular moments when I was arrested and sometime in, in jail as well. <laughs> but he rescued us uh, from those times and just seeing his his power at work, it was it was amazing. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com/slash/subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. We are back. We have Scott Castile on the line, and we are shifting our focus one last time. We're sort of coming into the home stretch, and we're going to focus on you as the listener. We're going to learn from Scott about some of the resources and some suggestions that he has for you. And Scott, to, to bring us right into this section, I'm thinking, you know what? Somebody might be listening to this and think, I'd like to do something similar. So if somebody came to you and said that, where would you point them? What would, what's that first step that they would take? Well, um, you know, I, I think that um, there are different trainers around the country and around the world um, that I think would, would greatly benefit those uh, who are looking to maybe go in this direction. Um, like, for example, we've mentioned Troy Cooper. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been invaluable. I, I can't tell you uh, what it's meant to have him here um, and, and being able to draw upon him as a resource. Um, if you're in the South Florida area or whatever, you know, I would definitely say... Um, call Troy. He's awesome. He's just a wealth of information. Um, you know, if you're up in the Atlanta area, I know Daniel Solid and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, there's Ray Vaughn and there's Ch or Clint. and I mean, there's these guys that are all over the country and they're awesome. And uh, they're a wealth of information. There's a lot of resources out there. Um, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And I think that's important to note that there's guys that have trod this path and, um, you know, there's phenomenal fruit that is coming from it. And, um, again, it, there's no reason to feel like you're alone. Um, there, there are others like you, <laughs> if you're feeling God pulling you in this direction. What would you share with somebody who feels called into the marketplace, but they're starting to wonder if what they're doing in the marketplace really matters for the kingdom? Yeah. Well, I think what I what I would encourage them and exhort them is that um, what's interesting about the you know the biblical model of discipleship is it's much like a snowball. It starts very very small, and then as it grows, it you know it builds critical mass. And a lot of times, it's that initial stage that is just a killer. Um, 
you know, I can tell you, you know, for the first 12 months or so, I mean, we were gospeling. We we're out there doing house of peace searches. We we're going door to door. We're, um, you know, praying for Oikos. We're praying. We're fasting. We're, we're hitting aside. Nothing was happening. We're like, ah, <laughs> oh. you know, and, and I just want to encourage you that, um, you know, don't despise the things of, you know, small beginnings. Um, it, it does start small and it's, it usually starts slow. And um, uh, just to keep with it and, and, as we mentioned, try to find those brothers and sisters that are like-minded because they could, that can be also a source of encouragement. And, um, man, just don't give up. All right. And what would you share with somebody who's realizing, they're beginning to realize that more and more of their neighbors or their coworkers are from other relig- religions, other areas of the world, maybe places where a few years ago we thought that's where missionaries go, not where people come from. Mm. Now, um, you know, it's it's interesting that you bring out like, if if I'm understanding you correctly, mm-hmm. you're you're talking about the diversity, absolutely. Of, uh, you know, the the possibility of the diversity of Christ and really uh, what we see biblically. It's interesting you bring that up because Port St. Lucie, where we are, is one of the most ethnically diverse uh, areas in in the country, and uh, it's and it's a beautiful thing because. In this community, literally, you can walk down a street and you'll meet a Haitian, you'll meet a Cuban, you'll meet a, you know, and and, 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 and from two people from New York and, so, you know, someone from the Midwest, and you have all this diversity. And um, it's really, I think, a beautiful picture of, of what heaven's going to be like. Yeah. So, so as we get out into the community... Um, we, we see that Jesus, when we really share Jesus and share the gospel as we see in Scripture, it is the tie that binds. Uh, that's what's so beautiful about the gospel and about the teachings of Jesus Christ is because there, there is no Greek, there, there is no Jew, there is no slave. There, you know, there, there is no slave owner. Everyone is on an equal playing field according uh, to the gospel of, of Jesus. And uh, it's just wonderful that, and, and what we're experiencing is as we get out into the community and share Christ, we're just seeing all the dividing lines and the dividing walls just come, just come crumbling down. And um, one of the things that I, I'm just really excited that I can share with you as we begin, there is a large, large uh, Spanish community here in our city. And uh, I began to pray about, God, we need uh, brothers uh, that speak Spanish mm. and uh, from the Latin community to partner with us. And sure enough, we did a park outreach where we were giving away hot dogs and drinks and stuff, and we were sharing <laughs> the gospel. And this guy named Juan comes up, and I meet him, and this guy is just on fire for, for God. And I began to share the vision of, of sharing the gospel and reaching the Spanish community as a missionary. And he, and he just kind of looked at me because he's from Guatemala. He's like, you know, I never thought of that. He's like, I, think, I thought, of, you know, missionaries of going to Guatemala, not coming from Guatemala. And I go, yes, you got it. We need, we need missionaries right here in Port St. Lucie to reach the Spanish community. And man, he got so fired up on the spot. And, it, and, and we're building this really, really cool relationship right now where um, we're kind of gearing up to, to really go after it, you know? Is there an internet resource, maybe a tool that you use or something that you'd like to recommend for our listeners? Yes. I I go to 
coopersonamission.com. <laughs> I go to excellent resources, and there is everything there um, for your reading and viewing pleasure. Um, you know, so uh, every a lot of the things that I've mentioned here in this interview about the four fields, mm-hmm. you can read. You can read all about that in the in the in the excellent resources portion of Cooper'sOnAMission.com, and uh, the three thirds and and the seven commands of Christ and short term discipleship, long term discipleship. You know, all these things are are really bundled up nicely on on that website. Um, you can also go to CalvaryFellowshipTC.com. Um, you know, we've also tried to videotape um, some sessions, and we've got some resources up up there as well. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Definitely. And is there a book that you'd also recommend for our listeners? Um, well, I mean, if you're like a traditional pastor and you, you, you really want your world wrecked, um, you know, I read the, the book, the T for T book. Um, by Ying Kai, and I, I'm, I'm struggling for the Steve Addison, I, I believe. And that, that book just really, to me, was a game changer because when I read it and you learn something like that, you can't unlearn it. Yeah. And uh, I, I would recommend that book. Okay, yeah. I, I was thinking it might have been Steve Smith. But, oh, was it Steve Smith? It, okay, yeah. Steve Smith, the Ying Kai. But Steve Addison uh, does have a great new book out. Yes. <laughs> That's a different one, though. Yeah, so Scott, we are just about done. Would you maybe share with us one last piece of advice and the best way for someone to connect with you? Then we'll say goodbye. Well, um, the best way to connect with me um, is obviously you you can visit our website at calvaryfellowshiptc.com. Okay. Um, and uh, there you can get our phone number, our email. Uh, I, I'm open. I mean, if you're out there and you're thinking about this or you're trying this and you're struggling or you're down, man, I've been there. Give me a call. I, I'd, I'd love to encourage you. Um, it's not that we've arrived. We haven't. We're, we're in the very beginning. St- even though we've been, I've been fumbling through this for five years, and I feel like I'm just now beginning to start to understand it and, and to see some traction. Um, I would still love to encourage you if you're out there. And, uh, you know, I'm always open for brainstorming sessions. All right. For those of you who joined us, thanks so much for being here. All of the resources and everything that we talked about will be linked up in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Scott Castile. Scott, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, especially so late at night. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Brian. Thanks. As we're getting into the new year, I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you. Thanks to you as the listener for being here. Thank you to my guests for taking the time to be part of this show. My hope and my prayer is that this is something that is encouraging and inspiring to you, something that's a resource. One other resource that I did want to talk about is a book that's been really valuable in my life. It's called One Word That Will Change Your Life. And for people who were on my email newsletter, we actually ran a a little contest a couple of weeks ago and gave somebody the opportunity to win a free copy of the book. It's actually two copies of the book, one on Kindle and then also the audio companion from Audible. And uh, in order, I I ran that contest and I got some really valuable feedback. The, The contest was really about people giving me some feedback about things that I do well and things that I could do better. And I I did want to let you know that I really appreciate that if you took the time to do that. And I also wanted to mention to you, in case you're not on that email newsletter, that you can sign up for that by visiting engagingmissions.com slash newsletter. 
And if that book sounds valuable or interesting to you, you can also get a free audio copy of that book if you just try out Audible by visiting engagingmissions.com slash free book. That'll take you to a page where you can sign up for a free month. And if you download this book as your very first download, you'll get it absolutely free. I do want to mention also that that will help support this show. I'll get a little bit of money that I can use to help improve things and to continue doing this, and you'll get a free book. And if you're like me, if you like listening to things, if you like learning, especially as you drive or as you're doing something else, this might be a great opportunity for you. So I just wanted to throw that out there. No pressure from me, but I hope it is valuable for you. Again, that's engagingmissions.com slash free book. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.